All right, so our reading tonight uh, comes from Genesis 22. If you want to follow along in your uh, Bibles or mobile devices, you are welcome to do so. Uh, we'll also be hitting Hebrews if you want to mark Hebrews 10 if you uh, have a, a physical copy. Otherwise, you can flip very quickly um, on your app. So this is the sacrifice of Isaac, verses 1 through 18 in Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear, your, fear, that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by, its, by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. So grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we've got Abraham's faith being tested. And I don't think any of us have been tested in this way. No one's been asked to sacrifice their firstborn son. Luke's sermon on Sunday talked about how things change when, the, when, the, when a kid shows up. Um, imagine Abraham. He's got his one and only son. And God says, go sacrifice him. Now, remember the last few weeks we talked about uh, Gabriel shows up to Zechariah. Zechariah goes, yeah, but, yeah, you're going mute. And then Mary goes, yeah, but, well, she doesn't do anything. And what does Abraham say when God says, sacrifice your one and only son? He says, nothing. 
He just goes and does it. Now, lots of interpreters of the scriptures, and I've read through several commentaries. Some of them want to say it was no big deal to have human sacrifice back then. I'm like, it doesn't seem like a very logical conclusion. It doesn't seem like the child that he loves, it's easy to kill. That's not, that's not even valid. Did he believe that God could just raise Isaac right up from the dead? Maybe. We don't know what was in Abraham's mind, but he was faithful, and he just followed through without question. Now, this idea of human sacrifice. Human sacrifice has been around since the dawn of humanity. People have been sacrificing humans. Pagan cultures, uh, even the Roman culture, many cultures have sacrificed humans. And in our modern culture, we think that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Why would you sacrifice a human to appease your God, right? Well, Abraham's obedience may have been influenced somewhat because the Canaanites are there. The Canaanites do this. They did child sacrifices to their gods. And that was a lot of the cultures around there had human sacrifices. And as far as we know, this recorded very early, Genesis 22. This might have been, uh, well, this is when God said, no, we're not going to sacrifice humans anymore, and my people aren't going to do this anymore. There will be no human sacrifices And maybe another reason people didn't like him very much because, again, they're not fitting in with everybody else. Everybody else is doing it. Why aren't you doing it? God says no. In this instance right here, from this point forward, we see it in Leviticus and other places where God says no human sacrifices. But what are the promises of obedience that he gets for not withholding his one-year-old son? He gave the obedience in his heart, said, I'm going to do this. And the angel stops him short and reiterates the Abrahamic covenant to him. He promises him to multiply him greatly, gift of land, fatherhood of multitude of nations, an everlasting covenant and offspring, circumcision on eighth day as a mark of that covenant, and obviously the birth of Isaac through Sarah. So he reiterates this covenant. I don't know if you remember the covenant when it was given. God and Abraham, they took a bunch of animals, split them in half, And typically, back then, if you're going to have a covenant with someone, you did these animal sacrifices, and then you walked in between both parties, saying you both are going to agree to this. Well, the Abrahamic covenant was different. This is a covenant that Abraham could not fulfill his part of the bargain. He's the one, Abraham couldn't make all these promises come true, and God knew this. And he made Abraham fall into a deep sleep, and only God walked between. This is what we call... Uh, an unconditional covenant. God provided the whole thing. It's pure promise. It is pure gospel. So it's going to happen. And so this Abrahamic covenant, you and I are beneficiaries of this. We are the many nations. We are the multitudes. We are the ones who are, that were promised to Abraham from his line. Here we are. And we are part of this covenant. And now we are part of a new covenant. Luke and I are very careful with our languages when we do the words of institution. I did a little dig into the Greek on that word. New covenant instead of New Testament. There's a slight difference in that verbiage. The covenant 
is that no longer is there going to be sacrifice for sins. It was dealt once and for all by Jesus on the cross, and everyone who has faith in that is saved. The new covenant is not what they did for all these years of killing animals and the, the priests and all that work is gone. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of every Old Testament promise, every Old Testament prophecy. He is embodies it. Like Luke said on Sunday, when we read the Old Testament, we put on the, the Jesus lens and we read the Old Testament. And for us Christians, when we read this story, we're like, duh, isn't that like God sacrificing his one and only son? That makes sense. In theological terms, we call this type anti-type. The type is Abraham sacrificing his son. The anti-type is God the Father sacrificing his one and only son. So, we call uh, Jesus the Prince of Peace, right? This time of year. Wonderful God, mighty counselor, Prince of Peace. Well, of course, then I go in the Bible and I look up Matthew 10. <laughs> Not peace, but a sword. Verses 34 to 39. Do you not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? I have not, these are Jesus' words, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You're like, that doesn't sound very peaceful, Jesus. Jesus is saying, if I'm not number one, this doesn't work. Some of you may even have mother or father, son and daughter, someone else that's related to you who is not in the kingdom. Jesus is saying, you forsake those relationships for this one because this one is eternal. I love my wife, I love my son. Do I love them more than Jesus? <laughs> That's a hard one. And I'm thankful he hasn't asked me to sacrifice my son or do anything like that. But it makes me reflect. Am I holding things above God? Yeah, there's a lot of things I hold above God. Am I being obedient to him like Abraham? Whatever you say, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. No. I struggle. I struggle to do most basic things. Sacrifice a little bit of my time, a little bit of my treasure, and a little bit of my talent? No, that's asking too much, Lord. I think I'm not going to do that. It makes me look at someone like Abraham, and then I look at myself, and I'm like, are we talking about the same faith? Because his, his faith was counted as credit as righteousness to him, and it's, I don't know. Whenever I look at some of these patriarchs, I'm like, I don't, 
live up. Now, this idea of the God of self, this has become the new God that we all worship at the altar of. It's very American, the God of self. We're in modern-day America, and if you ask people, are there still child sacrifices going on? People would say, no, that's ridiculous. I asked my middle schoolers before we came in here, what do you guys think? Are there any more child sacrifices in our culture? And then one young, young man said, yeah, I think there is. Uh, we kill babies. Yeah, we do that. And I'm like, yeah. We have many children that are sacrificed on the altar of self. I went way back. I'm talking Tertullian. This is an old church father. I'm talking 160 AD. His, he was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. All right, we're talking two generations from John, one of the church fathers, and he wrote on this. Because in his culture, child sacrifice was not a big deal amongst the pagan. And then the Romans, people went to worship the Roman gods. The Roman god of Aphrodite was a very popular one. Potentially a thousand prostitutes were working there every day. There was many babies born. And they were properly disposed of in that culture. And this is what he writes about his day, about this, and it feels like some things haven't changed at all. He said, there's no difference as to baby killing, whether you do it as a sacred right or just because you choose to do it. For it is murder, is once for all forbidden. So even the child in the womb, while yet the mother's blood is still being drawn on to form the human being, it is not lawful to destroy. To forbid birth is only quicker murder. It makes no difference whether one take away the life once born or destroy it as it comes to birth. So he was condemning his culture for obviously killing babies. I uh, just had a student do a statistics project on this. Um, they uh, did a linear regression analysis of the number of babies killed by abortion in the United States. Uh, it peaked my senior year in high school, which was 1990, uh, and on average it's been going down 15,000 per year. So it is going down. So it's trending in the right direction. But to say in this modern day that, we're not, that we don't have child sacrifice anymore, it's not to some fake idol god, it's to the god of self. Now that's not the only god that we falsely worship by child sacrifice. I can tell many things I do that I worship the God of self quite a bit. I'm strongly encouraged in this culture to kind of worship myself. I try to justify it a lot too. I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. That person, whatever, that's not my priority. And so I always, I struggle against that. I struggle against the God of self and try to say, God, what do you want me to do? And be obedient to him. Anybody else struggle with this? I hope. And this seems like 
Us Americans, I think this is a bigger deal. Because who are we taught to be obedient to? Uh, the God of self. <laughs> the God of self trumps the one true God many times. Whenever I say, I'm right, you're wrong, God, I've just worshipped at the idol of the God of self. So when I look at the obedience of Abraham, I'm like, I think even giving up my own family is the level at which I should be obedient. That's a very hard thing. That's a very high calling. Well, how about this idea of human sacrifice. The author of Hebrews addresses this very well. Chapter, Hebrews 10, 11 through 18. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. He's alluding to the, the ritual sacrifices that the Jews would do. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You and I have received that peace. When Jesus showed up to his first disciples, he showed up and said, peace to you. Peace comes from being in a relationship with Jesus. In our other text where it says, he comes to bear the sword, this is the reference to those who are not in the kingdom because when he comes back on the last day, that will be a terrifying day. But for those who are found to be in Christ, we are already at peace. We're at peace with the Lord. How different is that? You all got a candy cane, right? <laughs> I asked my middle schoolers, I go, does anybody know the theology behind this? And of course, one very wise young lady says, yes. The red stands for the blood of Christ, and the white is the, is the forgiveness and the pureness that you have because of that blood sacrifice. And I was like, that's right. Did you all know that? I hope you did. But many times we look at these candy canes as just another decoration, right? But doesn't that writer of the Hebrews just allude to it right there? There was only one human sacrifice that mattered. And it was the Son of God for you, for me. That was the only one that could pay for the sins of the world. The giving of his Son. He did not withhold his only Son. So was God willing to give up everything for you? Yes. And he did. I should be willing to do the same, shouldn't I? I should learn to be more obedient. I should learn to listen to him. That his spirit that abides and tells me all those sins I do are no, they're forgotten. They were taken care of on the cross once for all. 
And now the white, that's what God sees me in, perfect, righteous, and holy. That is peace. And I think it's fitting that they are wound together (laughs) because this is the life of a disciple of Jesus. We remember our sin, but then we remember the sacrifice, and then we remember our status with God. And then we remember our sin, and then we remember the sacrifice, and then, right? On and on. This is the life of a disciple. So I think, I don't know, this is very fitting for this text. That God did not withhold his one and only son for you and for me. That he, like it said, he's at the right hand of God, and he's going to come back to judge the living and the dead, and you are living. You are free. You are forgiven, and you are as white as the candy cane because we don't have any snow. (laughs) You're as white as that candy cane in there. So remember that when you're sucking your candy cane and you get your little sugar high, that you are loved by God, and he gave up everything for you. Amen? Amen? All right, will you stand in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for that once-for-all sacrifice. Thank you for the peace, the peace that only comes from you to your people, the peace that surpasses human understanding. And I pray that that peace would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Merry Christmas.